0: Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. You know, our theme for Christmas this year has kind of been a recycled theme. Uh, the, The series has been called Made new. And so out in the lobby, we've got a bunch of recycled Christmas trees and de- cre- recycled decorations. And the purpose of that is to kind of talk about, okay, we say we are uh, a church called New Life, and we believe that God will give us new life. But how is somebody made new? What actually makes that happen? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let me say welcome to those of you who are watching on church307.com, to the guys over at the prison to our friends at the jail, and those of you who are here in the room, how is a life made new? You know, we've all found ourselves stuck in life. Either we develop a bad habit that's more than just, uh, I'll have a New Year's resolution and fix that bad habit type bad habit, like a big bad habit. Or maybe you got a divorce, or you had a moral failure, or maybe your job isn't going like you'd hoped it would, or you're just having this general sense of purposelessness in your life, and you just start asking yourself, how do I, I just, I need a restart. I need something new. We believe big about this topic. We believe that you cannot just have a detail of your life changed, but that God can actually make you a new person, a full restart. How are we made new? Well, Scripture's prescription for this is faith. The world gets part of the way there. The the world likes to talk about positive thinking and a, a lot of good stuff about how to get yourself mentally prepared to have a good life, but they stop one step short of what scripture tells us is actually the whole key. What's the key? Faith. We believe that when we put our faith in Jesus, not just faith in faith, faith in Jesus Christ, then he makes our lives new. And then he will lead us on a journey of becoming the people that he created us to be in the first place. And it's not some pie in the sky, prosperity gospel. If you believe, if you have enough faith, if you believe hard enough, then your life will be easy and you'll have everything you ever wanted. No, Scripture's a description of what this new life will look like, sometimes there's some pain involved. It's rocky. Sometimes it's not always as smooth as we would like it to be. There will be setbacks in this new life that he gives us, but in that journey, he will be with us. He will give us peace that passes understanding. He will give us hope to persevere. That is the gift that God gives us, his presence with us as we walk this journey. There's an awesome passage in Hebrews 11 that says, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence. This is not in line with the world's definition of what faith is. Scripture's definition of faith is much more concrete I am confident that I have put my faith in the most logical worldview. I am confident that I have put my faith in the most logical explanation for the existence of the world and the existence of life. I am confident, I have faith that what I believe is true. Now, I don't believe that everything I believe is true, but I believe the core, the foundation of it all is true. The world likes to conflate two different versions of the word faith. There's the first one, there's the real faith, the type of faith we talk about when we read it in scripture, this evidence-based faith. That's when you trust in something for some reason. It's not hypothetical. I have reason to trust this thing, so I am going to trust it. The, The world believes that everything came From nothing. We believe that everything came from something. Which one is more logical? Does nothing ever produce something? No, there's got to be something if you want to produce something. I believe that what I have put my faith in is the logical, reasonable answer. I am confident that there is God. And that gives me hope. If there's a God, and if I have a relationship with him, I have a lot of reason to have hope. If I trust God, I hope that he created me for a reason. I hope that he has a good plan for my life. It's kind of like if I trust my wife, then I hope that we will live a good life together. Why? I trust her. So that trust in her gives me hope that a good life, is going to be produced. I I trust in this stage, and so I'll stand on it, because I hope that it's going to hold me up and it's not gonna break, because I trust an engineer that designed, actually Mitch designed it and he built it, so maybe I should not have faith in it at all, but for some reason, I maybe it's because I've seen so many bands jumping up and down on this thing, uh, that I have faith in it. Faith gives us hope, I hope this is gonna hold me up. I don't have a 100% confidence, It is possible things have fallen over before, things have broken. It's possible that this stage is going to fall down, but I know it's not. So I put my hope, I put my faith in this stage. So that's the type of faith we believe in. Now there's a second type of faith that the world likes to thrust upon us Christians. They like to describe our faith in God as blind faith. There is a reason why you have to add the word blind before this version of faith. We do not have blind faith. We have evidence of what we put our faith in. Namely, that God himself came into the world, revealed himself as a man, that eyewitnesses of the event wrote it down, told us the story, sacrificed their lives because they believed it so confidently, gave up their lives. We have evidence in what we believe. And because... The, the faith that they describe as blind faith is blind. It doesn't give us hope. There's no reason to have hope in that. It just kind of gives us this general sense of meaninglessness. It, it, if all I have is blind faith, then everything's just a... Actually, what everything is is a wish. You don't have any hope there. You can wish for some stuff. And society conflates this idea of hope and wish. They like to make these the same thing, but they are very different things. Question, in real life, does wishing on a star accomplish anything? Nothing. There is no hope that that star i have no relationship with that star that star could care less about me and has no life has no ability to do anything for me how does wishing upon it do anything maybe i should maybe i should look to the one who created the star and not the star itself wishes are unreal i have no foundational reason to believe that a wish will come true my family went to that new disney movie wish that came out a few weeks ago. I actually really liked it. It actually had some good lessons that we could learn, much better than some previous Disney movies that have come out and had a message in there about how power corrupts and some other good things that came as a result of the movie. So I'm not gonna bash the movie, um, but we went to the movie and the problem is, that the ma- the movie was called Wish. The problem is the main message of the movie is none of those good messages. The main message is this idea that you should wish on stars. that sounds very Disney, doesn't it? But here's the big twist. I'm sorry, spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil the movie for you. The big twist of the movie Wish is not just that you should wish on stars. It's that you should wish on stars and you are the star. Not joking. That's the message. You are the star. You should wish on you. You are your great hope. You are the solution to your problems. And that is the worldview of our world. Like, I get why they write this movie. It's very consistent with the humanistic worldview. It is very consistent with the materialistic worldview, that you are your only hope. And the problem is, if you look at you and you don't see the solution to your problems, you want to talk about depression. That's what it will lead you to. The theme song to this movie, Wish, is the most, it it is a beautiful song, because it perfectly sums up the materialistic worldview. It beautifully sums up the hope that our world has placed in materialism. Here it is. Have you ever wondered why Look up at the sky for answers Well, you don't have to look too hard We're here for all you question marks. If you try to figure out just who you are Don't look far In the sky, in you your front yard In your heart you're a star. you really want to know just who you are You're a star! Yeah. Boom! Did we just blow your mind? Uh-huh. Well, I've known the entire time When it comes to the universe, we're all shareholders Get back to your system! See, we were all just little nebulae In a nursery from supernovas Now we've grown into our history We're taking our shot out of mystery Closure Now we're taking it All the exposure We believe that we need the sun. See, that's where all the balls of gas come from. Hey, you still look like you're hanging on by a strand. But you just see the mushrooms and you'll understand. So your dust is my dust? Fantastic! <laughs> you don't have to look too hard. It's all around and not too far. If you try to figure out just who you are. <laughs> you're a star. Do you know you're worth art? even in the deepest star. If you really want to know just who you are. A star. Sure, a little fun and glory that gets me excited. Tory. this might sink in, in the morning. We are our own origin story. If I'm explaining this morning, well, I'm next, I'll let Star do it for me. It's all quite revelation. We are our own origin story. story. You don't have to look too hard. It's all around us, not too far. If you try to figure out who you you're a star. No matter the way, there's no star. We're all each other's counterparts. If you really want to who you are. I'm a star. You are your own origin story. You, There's no God. You created you. You're the designer of you. Now, I get where they're coming from. There are some common elements. There are some common materials between between us and you can look back into history and look at evolution and come you understand how they came to the conclusion they come to if there's no god that's logical if there's a god see here's the thing i i don't necessarily disagree with them on the metaphorical idea that you are a star i just don't agree with them on why you are a star their conclusion is that because you are random chance of a big bang then you're a star because you're stardust. I would say, no, you are a star because you are intimately created, designed, knit together in your mother's womb, created on purpose, for a purpose. God had a plan for your life. And so he built you specifically, not randomly, not through some things together and hope something good can come out. He had a plan that makes you very special, way more special than the materialistic worldview does. If all you are is an accident, no, you don't have hope. Where does my hope come from? If I am simply an accident, I am not an accident. I was created on purpose for a purpose. The psalmist says, thank you for, your, for making me so wonderfully complex. That's a scientific statement there. How complex are you? How complex is your eyeball? How complex is your body? Your, work, your workmanship is marvelous, how well we know it. I actually think that it is worth watching this movie with your kids. Reflect on some of the good lessons that come from the movie, but then turn the corner a little bit and say, let me tell you the difference between the movie and the truth. We, we don't boycott, we don't separate, we don't, create bunkers and divide separate ourselves from the world. Instead, this is what I tell my kids. We don't have to separate ourselves from everybody who does things we disagree with. We just recognize we're different. We're created on purpose to do something different. So we're going to choose to be different. And let me tell you how we are different than the worldview of the movie that you have just watched. You are a star because God made you wonderfully complex. You are a star. That's not the opinion of our world. You know what a fact is? My dad actually one time had a debate with one of the authors of the encyclopedia. I didn't even realize that was possible, but apparently it's possible to get onto some forum and have a debate with one of the authors of the encyclopedia. And this was what their debate was. What is a fact? Because according to the encyclopedia, a fact is what a majority of the experts say is true. And if the majority say it is true, then it is a fact. So with this definition of the word fact, it is possible for a fact to be wrong. In fact, with this definition, a fact is regularly wrong because the majority gets it wrong all throughout history. Just look at history. We are going to someday realize we have, we are very wrong about some of the things we think. As we mature, as we grow, as we evolve, we begin to recognize things that we thought were true in the past, but now we no- don't. So what's a fact? Well, it could be right, it could be wrong. It's still a fact. Well, here's a fact that the majority agree on. We are stardust. According to the American Museum of Natural History, scientists agree that you are stardust. Now, don't you think that's just kind of stopping short of giving you the credit you deserve? You are, I think, a little bit more complex than a ball of burning gas. If all you are is an accident of some star explosion, no, you don't have any hope. And hope is just naive. If that's true, then hope is a dumb idea. You should have no hope. What is their purpose? There is no purpose. It's all an accident. Paul said to the Romans, I pray that God, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in him. Why do you have joy? Why do you have peace? It's only because you trust in him. It's only because you recognize that he has a plan, Jesus was born as a baby in the world to give you hope that nothing else could give you. And he did not come to grant your wishes. That's not his purpose. We we think getting what we want will make us happy. So we wish to win the lottery. We wish to have our fantasies fulfilled. We wish to have more money. We wish to have more power. We wish for all of these things but God gives us a greater hope that is greater than anything that you can wish for in this world. God gives us hope that goes beyond this world. A hope of eternal life, eternal unity with him. Then you will overflow with this confidence, this confident hope. I love confident hope. I love that phrase. Confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. My family opens uh, one of our Christmas presents on Christmas Eve just to get us prepared for Christmas. And this is just kind of a tradition of ours. So my kids are not wishing for presents tonight. They got more than just a wish, right? My kids are hoping for a present tonight. Because they, it's not just because they have a guess. They are hoping for presents tonight because they have faith in me. And they trust me. They trust me to be consistent. They trust me because I've shown them that I love them, because I give good gifts to them, because I am their father. They trust me. And that faith in me gives them hope. You notice that the wise men did not wish upon a star, the wise men followed a star. And why did they follow it? They had faith that the star would lead them to the Messiah. Why did they have faith? Because they had some evidence. They had evidence that the star would lead them to to the Messiah. What's the evidence? You remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? Daniel was a prophet in Babylon. It's an awesome story. And Daniel is like a founder of this group of people that in Jesus's story are called the wise men. These are these almost like fortune teller type people who can tell the future, who can interpret dreams. And Daniel, as one of the founders of these group of wise men, would have interpreted for them the the, the, uh, prophecies of the Old Testament. And one of the prophecies that he would have read to them is from the book of Numbers. And it goes like this. I perceive him, talking about the Messiah that was coming. I perceive him, but far in the distance, A distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. And Daniel would go on to teach them that when you see a star in Bethlehem, follow it because it will lead you to the Messiah. And Daniel had prophesied other things. You remember the story of Daniel. Daniel had prophesied things. He had interpreted dreams that came true. So they have reason to believe Daniel. He's been faithful to us in the past. He's been correct in the past. I have reason to believe Daniel knows what he's talking about. So when they saw the star, they followed the star. My prayer for you this Christmas is that you will do your do the same. That you won't just see Jesus in the events of Christmas and see all of all, all of the fun things that go on and how cool it is that so much of the world celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. Instead of just standing back in awe, allow the invitation of Christmas to invite you to follow him. The the faith that you find in Jesus, make it cause within you a desire to follow him with your life. Put your faith in Jesus so that he can produce hopeful joy in your life. Hope that this world cannot give you. Like the wise men did, when you put your faith in God, you don't wish to get from God whatever you want to get from God. That's not our objective. When you put your faith in God, instead you follow him. You obey him. You trust his instructions even when you don't understand them. And that, that faith is what makes us new not getting things from God, but following God, trusting him. That's Christmas. God came into the world, not just so that he could die for us, that's a part of it, but also so that he could relate to us in our pain, in our struggles, in our temptation so when you're praying to Christ, you're not just praying hypothetically. You're not praying to somebody who cannot relate to you. He can relate to your experiences. He can intercede for you. He can feel the pain. Have you ever, whenever your kids, if you have kids, whenever your kids get hurt, have you ever felt the pain of your kids? It is the weirdest thing that happens to me. When one of my kids get hurt, I, hurt, I physically feel pain doesn't make sense. It's not logical. I don't understand it. I'm sure some neurologist or something can explain it to me. I can't understand it. But somehow, when my, son, when my son gets hurt, I feel pain. That makes no sense. This is what Jesus has done for us. When he comes into the world, he experiences pain. He can relate to your pain. And he loves you even more than I love my sons. So as you go through life and you experience pain, Allow the hope of eternal life with Christ Jesus, who has given us a hope, not just in this world, but an eternal hope where there will be no pain, where there will be no tears. An eternal hope of spending life in heaven with him. Follow him. It's the best thing that you can do this Christmas. God, I thank you for everybody here who has put their faith in you. God, if there's anybody here who's still standing on the outside and does not yet have a relationship with you, God, I pray that today is the day that they will step out and tell one of us that they are ready to begin a relationship with you. God, give them the courage to not put it off, not shake the emotion, but make the decision today. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.